Hey everyone, welcome in to a, another daily editorial here on the KE Report, chatting with Dave Erfley, founder and editor of the Junior Minor Junkie. Now Dave, there's uh, some economic data for us to touch on here. This week we had GDP numbers out of the U.S. and inflation data to end the week. Starting with the inflation data, we continue to see inflation moderate, coming down more to the Fed's target, and all depending on what time frame you look at, you can argue that some inflation is down to the Fed's 2% target. Either way, it continues to move in that direction, which has tapered some of the rate cut odds, but still, people are expecting a lot of rate cuts this year. You can even say a little over five rate cuts, but again, these estimates, these predictions move quite a bit day-to-day, week-to-week. Dave, what was your takeaway from that inflation data that we saw at the end of the week? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, those were the two biggest uh, data points this week that, that investors were waiting for were the, the GDP numbers, estimated GDP numbers, which came in higher than expected, and uh, the inflation numbers, which came in a bit cooler than expected. Yet the gold price you know, hasn't really reacted much to this data. You see, you see the 2040... 2050 area is is remaining to be key resistance right now and support is like that 2010 2020 area and gold continues to to vacillate around there. We did see we did see some good news in in the fact that that silver and the miners which are already uh oversold start to show a bit of relative strength to the gold price. You know, that's that's usually a good indicator of what the gold price is going to do when when you start to see silver and the miners move in either direction first. So, you know, they've pretty much led this uh, gold price correction down and they, they became oversold pretty quickly. So, you know, everybody's waiting to see what the Fed's going to say. You know, they're basically, they're not going to be raising rates. Uh, nobody expects that. But as far as, as when they're going to start lowering rates, that keeps being pushed back, the expectations. I think now it's less than a 50% chance that uh, the Fed is is is, is going to pivot in May, so it's all going to come down to you know what they say again as far as inflation is concerned. Um, has it come down enough to where they can hint they might uh, pivot in March? I doubt that, but you never know what what, what the Fed's going to say because you know they're they're it's a left leaning Fed and it is an election year, and I know they're they're being pressured to start lowering rates because everybody knows that, especially they know that uh, these higher interest rates, um, whenever there's a a sharp increase in in rates, it's a lag effect, right? I mean, it takes 12 to 18 months for higher interest rates to fully take effect on the economy. And this economy cannot uh, handle higher for longer for too long. It's the the commercial real estate market that, that is really worried. You know, I'm seeing more and more of these billionaire commercial real estate guys come out and be worried about the two trillion dollars of of loans that it's going to have to be repriced because of these higher interest rates. So it's going to be interesting again to hear what the Fed has to say and to see what the market reaction is is going to be because there, I don't think the market's going to react much to what the Fed uh, what 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 the results of the meeting are going to be. It's, it's going to be the press conference that's going to take place a half an hour after the results of the meeting are are known on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, Dave, it's going to be interesting to see what that press conference is like and what the response from the market is. But of course, they normally bandy about a lot of the other Fed 
heads and they come out there and uh, have mixed messaging almost every time. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Fed funds futures prices this in because it's wild that at the end of last year, there was 100% odds that there was going to be rate cuts in March. And now those are down below 50%. And to your point, now those have moved out to May. So it may be that we get less rate cuts and less confidence about when they start. But uh, at one point, that is what seems to be driving the gold prices, the Fed funds futures and those expectations around it. But at one point, there is a spread that has to be narrowed between the Fed funds rate at 5.25% to 5.5 and where some of those three to six month inflation readings are coming in, like we saw today, closer to 2%. That's a over 3% delta. Do you think it's possible that they just start cutting rates be- to narrow that spread? Or are you still maintaining that it really is going to take some kind of a shock to the market to get them to react? Well, that's what they're shooting for, right? Because the Fed has a history, and Powell knows this, of being reactive. I mean, he did, he had to do it himself. Uh, he had to be reactive because of because of the, the the government shutting down economies during COVID. They had to come out and and and, and announce an emergency rate cut meeting, and that's what began the the huge move in the gold price and especially in the miners from March until August of 2020. And before that, you know, the the biggest one that I remember on record was was Alan Greenspan coming out. I've mentioned this before in, in the first week of 2001, after the tech bubble had burst in, in 2000 and announcing emergency meeting. And that's what started the decade long bull market. So the Fed knows this. They don't want to be reactive. They want to be proactive. And they've already been proactive in announcing somewhat of a timeline and their dot plot and, and coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to have to start lowering rates. So basically expect the next rate move to be lower, not higher. But we just but the but but now investors are just waiting to to figure out how long that's going to be while the gold price continues to waffle above two thousand dollars an ounce. So, you know, that nineteen eighty two thousand level is the next level of support. And that could be seen if Powell comes out and hints that it's going to be higher for longer, but uh, remains to be seen. And sure, they could they could come out and cut in March. That could happen. They could start to hint that because, you know, let's basic basically uh, admit that this is a, a left leaning Fed and this is an election year. And the, the administration wants the stock market to remain higher. The, the administration wants the economy to, to remain firing on all cylinders as well into the election. So it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say and how the market reacts, uh, as usual, at at the Fed conference, um, press conference, next Wednesday. All right, Dave, I'm going to move us on from economic predictions and Fed talk because, look, we're all still just waiting and almost seems like we're just talking about the same things here. Let's talk about some of the news that's come out of the sector, more on the major and mid-tier front, because we saw throughout last week, quite or this week, quite a bit of production numbers from the majors and mid-tier, gold miners, even some silver miners too. And while production was increasing, seems like guidance is being pulled back and the markets broadly didn't take that news all that positively. What stood out to you from some of the actual news that was released from mining companies? Well, the headline... Uh, news was from Barrick, the second largest gold company, um, putting out uh, disappointing uh, production numbers. Uh, but as we were talking about offline, a lot of these mid-tiers have come out with positive production numbers. But the headline number was was the Barrick number. You know, we're still waiting to hear what Newmont numbers are. 
but the financials are not going to come out until mid-February. In, in Q4, the gold price did average almost $2,000 an ounce while the, while the oil price was going down. I mean, oil accounts for 50 to 60% of a lot of these miners' costs. So we would expect to see some pretty good numbers from the majors while also in Newmont it's going through that, through that merger, right? I mean, that takes, that takes a while to, to work through. But as far as costs are concerned, you know, they keep going up. I think the Q3 now average all in costs are 1343 an ounce and they continue to to rise. So the gold price really needs to hold that $2,000 level and start moving away from it on the upside while the market is still waiting to see if it's going to be broken on the downside. So as, as long as, as these costs continue to rise and I think they're going to level out. But because of, because of inflation's leveled out, right, and the oil price has 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 remained low. But you know anything that happens in the Middle East that could stop oil flow, you know that's going to affect the oil price and it's going to go up. So the gold price is going to have to go up along with it. So that's that 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 is a concern. You know these companies need to figure out how to basically bring down their costs if the gold price remains around two thousand. But you know, that's been very difficult, you know, and, and also eventually they're going to have to concentrate on replacing those ounces. And they're not concentrating on that yet, really. I mean, they're concentrating on their balance sheets still, which, which you know, the balance, balance sheets of these miners have never been healthier as long as I've been in the sector for 20 years. Uh, but they're concentrating on share buybacks and dividends. They're not concentrating on replacing ounces yet. We still really haven't seen M&A take off like we have in the past. So... You know, we've, we're starting to see, see you know, some M&A deals here and there. I mean, we continue to see some M&A deals here and there, but we need to see more consolidation in the sector. Well, Dave, just to this point, I think sometimes it's easy to look at something like Barrick or Newmont as two of the big boys and become a glasses half empty takeaway. But if you look at the mid-tiers, to your point, almost all the ones I'm looking at from the last couple of weeks have record production for 2023 and record guidance for 2024. You know, you look at Alamos, record production, record guidance for next year. Caliber, same thing. At Corora Resources, same thing. Fortuna Gold, same thing. I am Gold. I mean, all these companies keep putting out record quarters for Q4, record years for 2023, and bigger guidance for next year. And even if their costs have crept up by 50 to to $100, let's keep in mind that in the fourth quarter, the gold price was about a hundred bucks higher on average for their selling. So that washes out any cost creep they had. Is 2024 going to finally be a year about margin expansion instead of margin contraction? Because right now it doesn't look nearly as bad as a lot of the people are reacting. Yeah. Well, it, it depends on the inflation rate, right? I mean, um, let's face it. We all know that the inflation statistics are hedonically adjusted and have been, you know, by the government for, for decades. So the real inflation rate we know is, is higher. The inflation rate has come down basically, you know, from uh, supply issues now, uh, supply concerns uh, have come down and central bank buying continues to, to buy gold while Western investors continue to sell it. So, you know, we need to see Western demand come back as far as the gold price is concerned and while central banks continue to buy. But as far as the margins are concerned and, and costs, inflation has to remain low. And if it doesn't, if, if, if it starts to go back up again, the gold price needs to go back up with it. And if it doesn't, you know, then these gold stocks are going to continue to, to, to go lower, even though they're, they're really undervalued in relation to the gold price. 
they're most the most undervalued I've seen. I've seen them in relation to the gold price since I've been in this sector. So, you know, it's just a waiting game. We're all waiting to see when the Fed is going to pivot. We're all waiting to see how is gold going to react to these geopolitical situations that are powder kegs around the world. It's, and, and also, you know, you've got an election coming up where basically nobody wants to vote for either candidate. I just saw some poll numbers where Trump is leading in the polls over Biden, but there's a there's a, a growing number uh, of people that don't want to vote for either one. So it's going to be really interesting how that affects the gold price and affects the stock market. And and, you know, you still have the ongoing war in 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 Ukraine and the Middle East and the Red Sea supply issues and all these all these things that that are going to affect the gold price in some way. So it, 2024 is, you know, you're going to have a lot of things affecting the gold price that wouldn't normally affect it, I think. And um, the macro situation is, is getting more interesting because of what's going on with the Fed pivot. I mean, we all know that the next move is going to be lower, not higher, but we just don't know when that move is. Yeah, well, and then we just don't know how it's all going to filter into the stocks, even underlying all of those. Let's take a look at some of the charts then. Real quick on GDX, GDXJ, this week is going to be an up week. The first up week in about five weeks for these ETFs. Dave, what levels are you watching for? Either upside or downside for GDX, GDXJ. Yeah, GDX and GDXJ, they bo- they're both trying to bottom at the top of those uh, November uh, upside gaps, right? So the bears are trying to fill those gaps and the bulls are trying to maintain them. But as far as weekly support now on the GDX, now that the now that the uh, the inverse head and shoulders six month inverse head and shoulder bottoming patterns have failed on both GDX and GDXJ, twenty six has been strong support on GDX for over a year, strong weekly support, and thirty two on GDXJ has been strong weekly support for over a year. So I would not like to see those levels broken on a weekly basis. What about silver, Dave? Because as we know, people keep noting the big disconnect between gold price and the gold stocks, but the gold stocks and the silver stocks really track silver much more than gold. So it's far more germane what's happening in silver. How are you looking at that technical setup? Yeah, silver needs to get back over 24, 2450. But the, the downside as far as October is concerned, you know, the silver and the miners bottomed at the same time in October, and that was 21 in silver. So 22 has been has been pretty good weekly support monthly support, I should say, going back a few years. So uh, 22 is is a pretty solid level. But as far as what's going on with the miners also and them continuing to, if they continue to, to show relative weakness to gold, then I would say that if 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 the miners lose those levels that I, that I mentioned, then I would expect uh, $21 to be tested in, in silver. Yeah, just look at those charts. Silver, GDX, GDXJ through all of 2023. They're just choppy sideways moves, really trying to find one direction, either up or down. This year, you have to assume that they will uh, pull out some sort of a trend here. Question is, which way is that going to be? Dave, thank you very much for your time. We'll chat again in the next week or two. Hope you have a great rest of your week. You too, guys.